Episode two, key issue. Here we are again, and again, opening with more different hand gestures. I'm Randall Lobb. I'm Isaac Elliott Fisher. And we're here to talk about comic books, artists, writers, and values, thanks to our friends at CoverPrice.com, C-O-V-R-P-R-I-C-E.com. Isaac, a recent convert to CoverPrice. Um, I think what you're going to do is you're going to be on it. We're both on it, but you're going to be hitting it hard today as we talk about something that we both know a little bit about, Conan the Barbarian. And I think really the supposition of this episode, let's talk about some of the things we're going to hit. We're going to talk about some of the key issues, some of the reasons why some of those issues are key, and some of the artists, in particular the artists, that we think have added something to that. And for those of you like Isaac who said, what about the Dark Horse? We're going to talk less about Dark Horse today. We're going to go all the way back to old school Conan, make some references to the 2019 Marvel, but we're looking at Marvel Conan because for most people who fell into Conan the Barbarian, it was 1970s Conan number one Marvel comics that woke them up. Now, Isaac, what is it about us that makes us qualified? Again, we had to do it last time. Why are we qualified just, to talk just, about I can, this? I'm going to go with my, should I do my osmosis quote again? No, you can't use the I same quote. I can't use the same quote. But, but truly, we, we're we in a good place to talk about Conan, aren't we? Uh, yeah. Conan is another one of our properties that we have uh, spent some significant time with. Not uh, one of our properties. Not one of ours. Sorry, I mean, one of the properties that we've spent a significant amount of time with. Uh, because we are... You know, I've been talking about this documentary for, I don't know, five years, maybe, maybe more, that we're doing this documentary on Conan. It's a bit of a sore spot that it's not out yet. There's but. a there's a definitive, his, it's not sore, let's not be bitter. There There is a documentary about the history of the Conan franchise. It's a definitive documentary, A Riddle of Steel, the definitive history of Conan the Barbarian. And for a number of reasons, that documentary is trapped. How much would you say of production is completed? I would say shooting production. I'd say see. I I I would say closer to ninety percent. Really? Yeah. But I know that you're you're a slightly lower number. I say eighty. Um, yeah. I guess you know what? It's a sliding scale because yeah. when we when the last we were shooting, I think we were closer to ninety percent. Mm-hmm. But then you know more stuff happens, and that's actually exciting because there's actually a lot of new cool stuff in Conan. Uh, specifically in the uh, in the comics world with Marvel's Conan. Uh, Isaac, that's why we need to look at Conan because a lot of people mm-hmm. have forgotten Conan and a lot of people sleep on some of the collectible Conan titles. Well, this, let's, for two seconds here, it is, there's a reason that people, well, there's many reasons that I think Conan is an under, underappreciated franchise in mm-hmm. general is because not only have people forgotten Conan from the comics, uh, with the seventies stuff, which was which was Marvel's most successful yeah. title at the time, mm-hmm. um, but they also when they think of Conan, they just think of Arnold, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, sure, if if the movie brings a lot of people to the franchise, that's great, and it's a fun movie, and it's one of my favorite sword and sorcery movies, really. But um, I think our goal, and it's a side thing here, but our goal with the documentary is to bring a lot of life and and love to Robert E. Howard because I mean he's a real hero here. Well, so. <laughs> 
He's the real hero. He's the real hero. One of the things that we like to do, we don't just want to start talking about the comics and say why they're valuable. We want to build in to sort of give that provenance of how you get to 1970 and sort of what's happening contextually. Why don't you give us a little bit of flavor? What would what would some of the uh, history be that takes us into why Conan launches with Marvel? Why don't we you hit a couple of the uh, big moments? Sure. I mean, well, I think that that the biggest of the big moments in fantasy literature mm. in general mm-hmm. was the revival of Conan in the 1960s with the Lancer paperback uh, books. And I think that um, I'd say Dungeons and Dragons, uh, so many other franchises that are fran- mm-hmm. fantasy based every, well, if you can, you could listen going on and on all the way to today with R.R. Martin and Game of Thrones and everything is that that moment of revitalizing um, the Conan stories that were originally published in, in the early 1930s. Um, they, they came out a couple times through the 40s and 50s, but mm-hmm. not to as big a fanfare. But when, when Frank Frazetta came along, um, you know, we're, we're many years after, you know, um, Wyeth doing the fantasy art in the turn of the century and, and, um, and other artists at the time. Like, there really wasn't fantasy art from, say, the turn of the, se- turn of the century to the 70s, you know, post-war, around World War One, World War II, people lost a lot of, um, you know, desire for the uplifting fantasy story or even the just the escapism of fantasy. So when you come along in the 60s, you've got this revival of the, the fantasy novel largely driven by a specific artist because Frank Rosetta comes into that world, um, you know, a little bit of Roy Crinkle prior to him. But when Frank does... Uh, Conan the Conqueror. I think it's Conan the Conqueror. We can look. uh, Give us an overhead here. Yeah. Dark Horse put out a nice few titles. Yeah. And they reveal some of these... Original paintings. Original paintings. So that one there. So that painting there being on the very first... Isn't uh, it Avenger? Avenger. I think you're right. It isn't Conqueror. That's the other one where he's on the horse. The Avenger. Here, let's get this up right beside you. So that painting there is the first time that people see Conan in a whole new light all thanks to Frank Rosetta. Now, it is just like it's a staggering pain. Blows it blows the the, the lid off of the but entire. Let's give world. where it's due. Conan started in the pulps, That's and right. Margaret Brundage was a a female. Obviously, her name's Margaret, a female artist who had a Conan. She had a take on Conan. Her art is beautiful. Um, you go back and collect those if you've got a lot of money and yeah. you want to get the original time. Yeah. <laughs> you've got to really look. Yeah. But they're beautiful. It's a more um, Roman-looking Conan, a more refined Conan, almost a literary-looking. You know what's Conan. fun? You know what's fun fact about that? Uh, that? And that—that's our argue. Well, obviously it is the only. This the very, very first visual representation of Conan the character was yes. Margaret Brundage's uh, cover paintings for yes. for Weird, Ta- Weird Tales. That Conan, and this is a, a fact, thanks to um, a new friend of mine who has a podcast, Imaginary Worlds. Um, I was speaking to him. Uh, recently, and we were talking about the history of Conan. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he revealed in doing an episode about Margaret Brundage was that she was probably using, it's not proven, but it's probably using her then husband Stop it. as the male figure to represent Conan. So it's actually interesting to think that there's this man, you know, out there that was originally this, the reference for a male and figure, Conan. nothing like Frazetta's no. kinetic one of the most this this is a Conan that and this is the Conan. These two yeah. are two of the most visually arresting depictions for me of Conan. I mean, obviously, we could literally, I could literally just I go know. on and on about we could do Conan, it all day, uh, Frazetta all day. But the point is, is what you just said. The kinetic word is very important because Frank comes in with this art that he's 
you know, legend has it, and probably it's kind of born true by looking at what he's doing. He's not using reference. So it feels like a snapshot in time because it's truly That's pulled right. out of his, his imagination. So he had that amazing ability to contain an enormous amount of energy within a still image. And it felt like you were either in the middle of an incredible um, explosion of energy and action or at the absolute precipice of it happening. And he was sacrificing some of the refinement of reality. He was more interested in, some people describe the character as muscular, but his painting is muscular. That's right. And by the way, you might say, this is a comic podcast. Why are you going back to this? We'll Very do important. a whole episode on Frazetta another yeah. time. But right. what we want to do is we want to say Robert E. Howard was writing a very rich, very detailed, yes, it's of its time. So there's sexism, there's racism that's implicit in it. He is at the same time as Lovecraft and he's embedding in some of what would be, you know, magic and the darker fantasy into these stories that were really rich and detailed and very much time and placey feeling with this interesting character. And Frazetta, I think the reason why you focus on the artist with Conan, and it's not fair to great writers, but you often focus on the artist, is because Frazetta came out and he embodied this character in a way that caught so many 60s kids. Yeah. Now, fantasy had taken a turn with Hobbit. Hobbit came out and became some of... Uh, you know, there's at the time, there's a certain type of kid where we know them as boomers, but they were looking for something interesting. And The Hobbit caught a lot of those kids. And it happens to catch a lot of young people at that time. And here's the, here's this Frazetta stuff in these Lancer covers, and they do the same work. Yes, Roy Crankle, you have a lot of really talented artists. And obviously, by this point, Jack Kirby had done staggering work, beautiful panels, and, and Wally Wood probably by then, and Bill Everett. You have a lot of really good artists, but Frazetta's paintings were just on another level. And it did something to Conan that sort of, there's a perfect fusion of the, the work. Remember, Robert E. Howard, what did he write in total? Uh, uh, roughly speaking, I think there's 18, 18 published Conan stories, <laughs> roughly I might be getting that roughly wrong. But it's, it's in and around. It's in and around. And also, he was doing that from 1931 to 33, mm, I think. And, then, and, and, and also, he kills himself at age 30. So, uh, Conan's one of many characters he did, one of hundreds of different things he did mm -hmm. in that time that he was from, like, say, in his late teens to, his, to the age of 30, which is absolutely staggering when you think about it. So, when the pastiche books come out, we won't get into that now, mm -hmm. but uh, the, there are follow-up books by other writers, Lynn Carter and so on. And these books, um, they're more mannered. They're not the same feel. So, with the art becoming so critical, it reinfuses material that people have read multiple times and somehow captures the imagination of this generation of young people. And so you have a guy named Roy Thomas. Uh, they called him Roy the Boy Thomas. He was very young and he was working under Stan Lee at Marvel. And we were lucky enough to interview Roy down south. And Roy gave us the impression that there was kind of a, a soft spot in comics with heroes then, right? Like they were looking for something new. They were looking for something fresh. And he, I think, maybe wouldn't claim to be the, the energy behind it. How would you word it, Isaac? Actually, you know, I think he was right place, right time. Probably. And, and I think that if I'm not mistaken, Marvel was paying attention to the characters that the public was suggesting, hey, we'd like to see in, in comics. And it was right. a risk for Marvel because, of course, Conan doesn't take place in a universe that could co that logically could coexist with the rest of the Marvel 
Un- universe until right? 2019. Right, because of course you, you you can play with the canon a little bit, but when you think about it, it's difficult to mm-hmm. to do that. So what was going on there is they were actually going for Thongor, which was Lynn Carter's character, mm-hmm. which was Conan obviously very Conan inspired. Um, uh, but there was an issue with the license holder, or I think the lawyers or something. So they it was a stall. Eventually they they eventually did it, but there was a stall there, and yes. he Roy didn't think that he could. Um, afford essentially afford Conan, so he went to their um, the the I guess the representative that you know was the the agent for the rights of Conan, the estate of Conan, and he offered the the, the offer was one hundred and fifty dollars. I think it was an issue, right? One hundred fifty dollars, yeah, something and, like that. And it, he felt embarrassed, so he said two hundred without any permission of anybody above him. So he said, we'll go 200. And he thought to himself, if, you know, it takes off, I'll, I'll cut a couple pages and save some money on the, on the book. And then, you know, we'll make it up in there. Um, but ended, ended up obviously, you know, almost died. It did get canceled at one point. It, it, it was a it, bit of a risk. Too. Yeah. It was a huge risk for them. And, but it was put, I think it was because the people were saying, Hey, we want to see Conan. We want to see John Carter. We want to see. I think some of the Lord of the Rings was requested mm, in there. I don't but, think yet, though. No, that, that was that was. Oh, something I, they, you're sorry. The request. There were the people yes. were asking for. We want to see this, right? And and Conan was on that list because largely to do. And I think it's really it's interesting. Now, Rand, uh, you probably know the answer to this. Um, the year that Dungeons and Dragons comes out. That's well, seventy six is right? when it so becomes popular. So that, so you think about that that time between the 60s when the Lancer books and those those Conan that like Frank revolutionizing fantasy art 70 is when this comes out yes. so they're really catching the zeitgeist at that moment because I think from a literature perspective right but it, but but also because it's inherently also fantasy art because of the comic is an art form a visual right. art form so that like Dungeons and Dragons doesn't even catch up with that until no. late which is then the the new established you know look for fantasy Artwork, but the point that I'm getting at is it's it's like um, can a comic jump into a space where where pulp fiction had been, where That's books right. had been, and the answer turns out to be well, yeah, yes. And Roy Thomas, he was. Uh, it's easy to say that he was a fan of the originals and he was skilled at catching it. Can we get the overhead here and let's look at this first title? Yeah, and it's very important to note here as we as we start looking at these titles is that uh, at the time I don't I don't recall. I know there's I know it's part of the story and off the top of my head I'm not exactly sure if it was a scenario where he couldn't or wasn't going to uh, adapt the original work because there was only like I say about 18 short stories one novella in there. Yeah. Uh, so originally, these these were original stories in the first, uh, yeah, first. few issues. It's, it's hard to see with the title here. But yeah. what we've got in this first page is the introduction of Barry Windsor Smith as the artist. Yeah. And Barry was being inked by a guy named Dan Adkins. I don't know much about Dan Adkins. I don't think he was a marquee artist. Apologies to Dan Adkins fans. But this cover tells you everything that you need to know. Yeah, it's um, exciting. It's a jump off the page cover, so it's influenced by Kirby. And I think that Barry Windsor Smith, at the time Barry Smith, was known to be good at that Kirby feel. He had done some X Men covers and some other work in England. He's from England, yeah. and this cover has a has a Kirby feel with the for short and sword. And you've just got this very kinetic opening. And he was actually like, right again, right place, right time. It was actually. Not he wasn't intended. He wasn't their first choice. Their first choice was to do John Buscema, writer of the writer of the gate. But they couldn't afford John 
um, with the with the risk they were taking in the book. They thought he would be too expensive. But John already wanted oh, to no. do it. He really wanted. He had already been given the, the novels. He's like, yes, this is what I want to do. But they, the the story of Roy Gay or um, of Barry getting in there was actually kind of funny because he just you know shoehorned himself into this young kid. I'm just take a risk with him and give him this Conan book, which is also a risk, and and just threw him right in the deep end, right there with that with that title. What you see in Barry's work originally, and this is not so much our opinion as we read this and we sort of uncovered a little, we didn't get a chance to interview Barry, by the way. His work was kinetic and his work was Kirby influenced, but he didn't necessarily have some of the body forms, bless you. He he didn't have some of the anatomy that he needed. And he He was was good at detail. He was young and fresh and raw, yeah. And he was... He was grasping for some things that I think there were, I think Roy was fairly saying, you know, there were some concerns. And so if you get these first few titles, and we've got a few of them here to look at, you know, here's two, and two has a beautiful cover. And what you get a sense of is that Barry, there's five. We do have three and four here. Yeah, but four is very important. Four is important, and we'll pull that out. Yeah. But let's take a think here in cover price. Is one, is Conan one graspable? Is it something that you can buy? The answer up, is yes. Yes. <laughs> but I, 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 I kind of lucked out with that one that, that uh, is sitting over there. Yeah. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it. So yeah, you I, and I each got one. Well, here, bring, bring up my screen here, Nick. You can, you can have a good yeah. idea. There we go. Um, yeah, so there's, there's number one, October 1970. Uh, yeah, so I mean, yes, that's a big scary number for like a really, really nice one, but a typical sale at roughly two hundred and five dollars um, is actually it's attainable for for a first of a very important um, nineteen seventy comic, which is actually kind of awesome. I think I got mine. Mine, which what would you say that one? I know that you're you always say that you're not a great. I'm a terrible grader. Grader, but, but I would say this: that yours would be worth probably a couple hundred anyway. I right bought now. it for a hundred bucks. Yeah. I was it was something you could get in on something like that for you know and say there. Look, I've got a copy of and Conan One. Mine that I had is in worse shape, and I got it for eighty five. Oh, nice. And if you look at them together, yours has nicer edges. But what you realize is this is one of those titles that you have to have. Oh, if, yeah. Especially if you know that this is a franchise that's underappreciated. Now, in 81, that Conan movie, it came out in 82, I guess. That uh, Conan movie with Arnold mm-hmm. is sort of what everybody knows. And then later they've played around with it. Something big will happen with Conan. We know that to be true. Well, I mean, it's important to know, and we haven't said this, we said a version of this, but, but it's important to go back to the fact that Howard invents a new genre with this character. He invents the genre of sword and sorcery without Howard. I mean, even it's arguable to even suggest that, not to say that The Hobbit wouldn't have happened, but you can look at what Tolkien was doing. He was looking to Howard as well. I, I think it's proven that he was reading that. And there was that world-building thing that they were doing. Now, he would have done it anyway. He were, they were working in at the, roughly the same time, but Conan came out a little bit before. But the point is, is that without Conan, you wouldn't see a lot of the modern... Uh, sword and sorcery fantasy like like game of thrones um because that is you know this is the granddaddy of it all and it actually um yeah i think i think basically that the the at the time in the 70s 
this, this is a very, very popular cover. There's a whole decade of this book being out before the, the Arnold movie comes mm-hmm. out. So even though everybody remembers the Arnold movie, it's because that's the big flashy thing that happens at the end of that decade. This, this comic really was, I think, that, that big pop culture grab that, that brought Conan into the mainstream before the movie ever did. You, you know? So if you see that Conan won for a few hundred bucks, you should buy it. If something happens in the franchise, now Marvel rebooted it recently, mm-hmm. and it did well. Of course, COVID has changed a lot of things in comics, but we know that something will happen with this franchise. All the studios are looking for a way to have their thing. What's their IP going to be? We know what happened with Game of Thrones. We saw what happened with The Witcher. It's only a matter of time until someone jumps on Conan and can blow fire into it, and all of these titles are going to explode. So we're going to speed up a little bit now. We've given you enough background. What we want to do is hit some of the ones that are the focus titles, the titles that we would suggest you should collect, that cover price would suggest you collect, and then a few that are very, very cheap that if you're a collector, you should probably have based on either the artist or something else. Now, four is a great one to buy. This is a a very beautiful four. And of course, this one, as you can see, is signed to Isaac from Roy Thomas and Sal Buscema. And the reason why four is Sal Buscema is John Buscema's brother is signed by him is he inked it. So Sal, when we interviewed him, a lovely, sweet, sweet man, and he made an interesting point that when you have a really skilled penciler, some inkers thump that penciler. Now, I'm going to move this up. You can see that Barry's work is very refined and very liney. And even on this cover, you can see work down here in the corner. Barry does very detailed gems. He's not cutting any corners. And famously, he would sit and do loops in chain mail or coins in a pile or whatever. And there's a an Easter egg we heard about where, what what's the exact line he writes in uh, the coins? It's, it's something to the effect of, I can't believe I'm doing all these coins. Doing all these coins. Yeah. But when you have an inker like Sal, Sal would say his brother, John Buscema, one of the great artists in Marvel history, he would want to attack an embellisher or an inker yeah. that would stomp yeah. him. Yeah. But Sal was, you know, a brother who respected his, his brother's work and he would be a very light touch as an inker. And when you see Sal's work with Barry's lines here, yeah. very, very light touch. Yeah. So four is a celebration of that light touch. Barry inked himself up to four. Sal comes in and inks with Barry here, probably the Marvel method, we have to hurry. I would say you should grab four. And Isaac, do you know what four is going for right now? Uh, I've got it up here on the screen. A typical sale is 30 bucks um, and it, a graded 9.4 is 153. I think the most important thing to note though, which we have not said is the the fact that, or the one of the reasons that, that number four is very important is because that is the first time they adapted an Ari Howard story directly. And that's the other thing I was going yeah. to say it's, we're always talking about the artist. Here's where we talk about the writer. That's right. This is a beloved story. You'd say the story. You love this it's a tower, one. Tower of the Elephant is one of the, one of the uh, I say the pinnacle stories of Ari Howard, where people would often argue that, that Howard wrote Conan's 
life story out of order. It's out of sequence. It's almost like the, uh, it's often described as like if Conan was sitting at a bar somewhere as a, as an old man post being King maybe and telling his life story, he would tell it out of order. You would sort of remember, Oh, and this happened and this mm-hmm. happened. So the very, very first Conan story, he's a King, he's an old man. Uh, and then we see other stories by, by the, the time that they do um, tower that Howard does uh, tower of the elephant. This is where Howard really starts cooking with gas. And this is the, the first story that Roy Thomas adapted directly from Howard's material in issue four, which is, um, which again, beloved Conan story, great place for him to, to, to adapt it at this stage in the, in the, in the comic franchise, because with the comics, Roy's writing it as a life in a linear direction. And, and so that's he's going really interesting. Yeah. He's, he's, he's taking it and going, let's go in order. So, um, Tower of the Elephant is a is a story that is told in a younger stage of Conan's career. And, he's he, and just you're saying, becoming a thief. Sorry, you're saying you yeah, it, it's Conan as a thief, and that's exciting. That's right. You're saying you can grab this for thirty bucks raw. Yeah, I would say uh, yeah, somewhere around uh, around twenty. I probably got it for less. It says here a typical sale is twenty eight twenty five. I probably got it for less than that at the time. Um, that I picked that up. But we were lucky enough to be interviewing both Roy Thomas and the anchors. So we grabbed. Some nice, uh, some nice signatures on that one, which is a, an important get. And um, I, I got a nice one, and I did pay thirty for it, twenty eight actually. Am I remembering correctly? Go to the last page on four. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm incorrectly remembering. There, there is a point at which Barry's Conan loses the horns. Oh, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Is yeah, is it that? Is it that book? Um, no, he's no, he's, he's watching the tower yeah, collapse. Yeah, at the end of it. Yeah, it's it's, it's a few a few a few uh, books later, but I for. Uh, just for a moment, I know this is jumping all over the place, but I just, I just remembered going back to that whole Sal inking John and other inkers inking John. Mm-hmm. It's important to note, though, that even when if John was angry with heavy inkers, I think a lot of fans of of John's work would point out um, Alfredo Alcala as being uh, an incredible inker. I was going to point him out when we got to Savage, of course, yes. But John, I only bring, I only bring it up now because John didn't like him <laughs> didn't like it so i don't think that he liked the the way that that's that right alfredo was well, was inking him but uh it's interesting yes we listen, will bring that up as again a, when we go there as a penciler you know yeah. you love your layouts and your that's pencils right. and the inker has a lot of power ton especially yeah. in the marvel method and that yeah. could be super frustrating the next one i'll isolate that to me is another cheap grab is seven and again it's barry smith and barry smith and i think if i'm not mistaken that sal is inking yeah, with the guy that inked the first one, Dan Adkins, and this is another this is another uh, story, God in the Bowl. But yeah. what's really exciting about this one is the snakes. This yeah. is the one that introduces Set, and if you're a Conan fan, you have to have Set, and this is Set's first appearance. Everybody knows Conan's snake thing. It's just it's one of the great scenes in the movie, which yeah. is what a lot of people know. But I will say this: I think that if you look at what's going to happen with Conan down the road, yeah. Tower of the Elephant, God of the Bowl, these are going to be incorporated into something because they're such beloved stories. So four and seven are great great buys, and, and it's also seven was the point at which that they were um, there thinking was, that this wasn't going to work, and they right. canceled the book. Uh, right. altogether and and I can't remember how Roy convinced them to keep going and I've just pulled it up here in cover price uh issue number 7 July 1971 uh raw, raw comic typical sale $14 is pretty attainable uh graded 9.0 is 7133 so yeah. yeah it's it's a 
it's an attainable piece, but again, there's, there's reasons why some of these might be more of a key issue, even if it's not outwardly um, obvious. It's got a sexy girl cover. Mm-hmm. It's got also something interesting. I don't remember the exact number, but Roy talked about Barry having to address his anatomy issues. Yeah. And if this is around seven is when you see a difference. Seven, eight, nine. Yeah, and you yeah. see the foot and the leg. Yeah. It's really, I'm trying to show it. The foot is really nicely done. And you just see a very, he's getting a handle on the anatomy, which will come into play a little later when we talk about Neil Adams, of course. But uh, after after seven, it's 14. And here's where I go like this. Look, Isaac, where's 14? Uh, We can't find it. (laughs) So I need to buy 14 and 14 is a- Well, we can bring up my screen so we can actually look at it. Yeah, let's take a look at it. It's a critical- Buy. So it yeah. is super frustrating. Yeah. Michael Moorcock, the writer who created Elric of Melnibone or Melnibone. There There's the cover. This is a really critical, um, it, it, it not only has Elric, but yeah. it has a character called Kulangath in Cameo. And Kulangath is another bad guy, like Conan has repeated bad guys. And this one also rumored to be important down the road, that this is one of... Oh boy, I just did that. This is one of the characters that could come up when you're making a series or a movie. You know, you need your Tulsa Doom in the 8182 yeah, Conan. Yeah, yeah. So some people speculate that Cool and Goth could be one of these characters that comes in as an antagonist for Conan. But also you have the excitement of Elric. And Elric is another great fantasy character from the British writer Michael Moorcock. And mm-hmm. Moorcock was involved in plotting. And so that means 14 is critical. And then 15 is critical. Yeah, he's in there as well. And 15 is the actual appearance of Cool and Goth. And so 15 is awesome. And again, we're back in with Sal Busema and Barry Smith inking. And if you did pick this one up, and I'll just put it up tight, you'll see, again, Barry's getting a little more, there's a nice, a little more anatomy now, yeah. listen, remember, Barry, Barry Windsor Smith is a beloved artist. I love his work. I love his delineation. I love his line. It's very fine and very clean and of its time. So I'm not, I'm in no position to say that he doesn't have good anatomy. This is sort of the knock that we heard other people talking about. Oh, man. When he gets into the, the, in the Savage books, when he does Red Nails. Incredible. Incredible. That's incredible. You what, can see his work changing over time. Oh, very quickly. And with those with those first like 20, 20-ish issues, I can't uh, tell exactly when he jumps off. It's around 22. Who, Barry? Yeah. Barry, well, Barry doesn't do 17, 18, yeah. and 22, which is the reprint. And then at 25, that's when Busema comes in. John Busema comes in. Yeah. So Barry quits at 24. Yeah, exactly. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. But if you wanted to go and buy 14 and 15, which you should, I've checked on eBay. I've seen really decent ones for about 75 bucks as a pair. Yeah. I, I think according to our cover price, you should be paying about 50 bucks for both. Roughly speaking, yeah. And you would often see them buying together like that. Yeah. I mean, the number number 14 there, I think I saw, if I go back one, I think I saw it. Uh, its record price at like 200 and something. These are slabbed, right? You put a slab on these. They're beautiful yeah. to show. Oh, sorry. Pardon me. Yeah. Record record 454, rated 9.6, May 19th, 2020. So actually, that's really recent. Um, so yeah, that's that's a, yeah, that one's going up. Yeah. You can see that one creeping up. I'm Is there gonna, something going on with Elric right now? 
<laughs> There's not, but it's one of those things that you yeah. think somebody would buy it and bring it back. Like, That's hey, right. Netflix, why don't you snap up Elric? Yeah. I'm going to grab the ones we talked about, 17, 18, and 22 together. I've never been a huge fan of these three, which is unfortunate. Um, so Barry wasn't on these. Mm-hmm. And there's you could speculate all the reasons why. It probably has to do with scheduling and hitting targets. Was he now I'm speculating here, but was he do was he working on the Savage one? Or did they start Savage by this uh, point? Savage would be he would be in Savage by now. So yeah. maybe that's what was going on. Savage was 71, I believe, was it not? So this is Frank Brunner, uh, I believe. Gil Kane and Frank Brunner. By the way, Gil Kane. Classic artist. Everybody knows Gil Kane's work. Beautiful work. Frank Brunner has done all kinds of stuff over the years. Covers, uh, both gone, I'm sure. And if you look inside, it's just not quite the same. But it is very much of its time. Very standard. There's Barry Smith. In 22, you'll say, what's that again? 22, they actually have an apology in the first page. And they say, we're reprinting the first issue. So... What's the story here? Yeah, you should buy 17, 18, and 22, even if the art isn't quite as good. They're very cheap to pick up. Isaac can check those. But 17, 18, that's Gil Kane, Frank Brunner. And 22 is a reprint of one. So it's kind of strange. It's kind of fun. Remember, comics is a business. Stan Lee was probably demanding. You're hitting targets. Roy Thomas is, at the time, probably doing way more work than he should be doing. And he's trying to hit these targets. They didn't get it with 22. I would buy these. You can get these often under 10 bucks. I yeah. know you bought these under 10. Oh, some of those I bought for a couple a bucks. bucks. Yeah. yeah. No, sorry. I just jumped over to Savage Sword just to look at the dates. Yeah, start, number one starts 1974 yeah. of the Savage Sword. Oh, 74. Sword. Sorry. Yeah. It's but, uh, um, but Savage Tales was Savage Tales might be, a, it might be earlier than that. Let me yeah, that's right. Yeah, Savage Tales is May 71. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in a minute because we're going to talk about what we don't have right now. Yeah, so, which is which is one of those is that one you just brought up on on your on your screen. Yeah, do you want to jump Tales. to my screen? Yeah. Yeah, Savage Tales here. This is Because there's something is very important to delineate those two things is that Savage Sword of Conan was uh, was the large format magazine size uh uh, serialized Conan stories that was running in tandem with the comics, but it started with Savage Tales featuring Conan for I think two issues. Let me Am pull I correct? this up and hit this quick. Uh, I think it was more than that. Just maybe a few. A few. We I, can scroll down and see cover price. Here's one thing we love about cover price is as you go down through it and you've got me on it there, you've got the first five Conans and you see them in a row. But what's exciting about this first one, it is fairly expensive. If you get a raw, they say the average raw price is 181. This is John Buscema. Yeah. Doing the cover. That's right. John will become the most beloved and maybe one of the longest running artist uh, title relationships in comic history. Did over a hundred, I think, of Savage Sword. And that took a while. Sorry, guys. Um, you can see you can pick this up raw. 180 bucks. I think it's worth it. If I saw this for 150, I'd snap it up in almost any shape. Love that cover. Yeah. This the severed head cover, but it's a John Buscema. It's yeah. got to be had. And let's talk a little bit about John. Just we talked about Barry's known for his line work and the delineation. And also he's known for the crazy horns on the helmet. Yeah. Barry is also known for beautiful sort of um post-Raphael idea. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. light and it's very classic. Yeah. Buscema is known for his love of texture and the jungle. What is it that Sal said about John and 
why well, he didn't want to do Spider-Man. Well, yeah, he was getting really tired of drawing straight lines and buildings and cars and just, you know, the never-ending cities of all the Marvel superheroes, well, most contemporary superheroes. New York, in effect. New York, yeah. Uh, big cities. So to get into something sword and sorcery, and, and I think that they always use the line that he really something he could sink his teeth into. And I'm not even going to try to do Sal's voice because it was such a great voice. Um, it, it is a classic New York voice. It is, it? yeah. And... He he as as he as his quote is he was really enjoying working really enjoying really enjoying working once because he, he he did he really loved doing that character I mean personally as a dabbling artist I, I would find drawing jungles to be incredibly annoying <laughs> Listen you grab grab a page of one of the Busema Yeah like okay so here's Savage one yeah. by the way let's talk about this cover Yeah first thing we'll notice it's signed by Boris. Boris Wait, Vallejo. Are you saying that we met Boris and watched him paint? Oh, what a great we experience that was. We sat beside Boris Vallejo and Julie Bell as they painted. I mean, these are things that you can't do in normal life. Uh, no, usually you can't knock on, on uh, Boris and Julie's door and say, hey, can we just sit in your uh, studio for a while? You know what? Yeah. You know what? They're really nice, but I would never encourage it, somebody to do that. Do you remember what Boris said? Boris said one of the most incredible lines. He said, I like when people sit with me when I'm painting to distract me. Yeah, they, and he we wants said, to talk. He wants this? to talk. He wants to talk. He wants to zero out himself That's right. and just get into flow. But Julie does not like that. No, Julie doesn't want to talk. <laughs> Let's take a look at this Boris cover. This I love is, this Boris. You know what? Boris is... It's Bor less mannered. That's right. right? Boris is, is, can be can very easily fall into the trap of, of painting too close to his... Um, Ref. To his reference. And, I mean, everybody knows that his rendering abilities are off the charts, but sometimes it looks feels a little static, a little wooden. This does have a just a touch of that, but it's pretty dynamic and pretty great because at this time... He was very keenly aware of both Buscema being his art director <laughs> and um, and Frazetta's influence on fantasy art. So if mm -hmm. you go back to my screen over here, Nick, there's um, a few different Boris's you see. You know, Boris number one, on number one. If you jump over to number five, that's a Boris cover with with that's just a great what a Boris great cover, cover because this one this one. Um, uh, is really great because I think, you know, at 1975, we're a precursor to the, the movie. So again, come back to the screen here. This is that, that classic scene where, where, um, Conan is, is being crucified with the, with the vulture and everything. So this is very, That's this is pre, piece. pre Conan movie or pre, yeah, pre Arnold. So what a great, um, moment that is. I mean, that uh, does show up in the books, I think. And then this one's my favorite of, well, second favorite of his, Okay, um, pull that one up, pull yep, it up, bring it up. Because um, I'm going to show them something. Yeah, here. because this is very Frazetta influence. You can feel Boris looking to Frazetta here, and again, it Cut feels much more dynamic. Hit the overhead. Yeah, there it is. There it is. We, I, I put this in a frame. Yeah, beautiful. Signed, signed by Boris. It's a beautiful piece, and it is Frazetta-like, and that's why it's that's framed it. here. Yeah. Uh, this is this is not a original or anything. This is just a Boris. But what's really lovely about it is. You know, it's got the what would you call those creatures? Those kind of they're kind, they're kind Neanderthal, of, yeah, sort they're, they're, of like yeah, the man, famous yeah. weir, uh, weird uh, fantasy. Well, and, and or, or Frazetta was like notorious for putting Neanderthal, like you know, dumb ape man into everything, uh, big big cheekbones. But um, and that's yeah, that's definitely there. Let's come one. back to Savage Sword for a minute. Yep. So this Savage Sword one, it's worth. Is it a few hundred normally? Uh, yeah, but like for. the record recently was a thousand dollars. That's 
I don't understand that record. It's a 9-8. Nine, 9-8. Eight. Nine, eight. I don't know if somebody knows something we don't, but I will say there is an Easter egg in this. I, it would be something that would make me buy it. What's that? Uh, well, yeah, you're going to love it. I'm going to love this. Cut to this camera there for yeah. a minute, Nick. Yeah. When you open it up, uh-huh. that's a Mike Zek frontispiece. Ooh. And that's a very early Mike Zek. That Mike Zek is best known for, in my world, for his beautiful Punisher. But Mike Zek, look at that layering and texturing and line work. Absolutely gorgeous. I don't know the anchor. It, it, is the anchor... It, okay, I have to think about who that is. It's written down there, but that is a beautiful Mike Zek, and it's one of his early pieces. Another nice thing in the Savage Sword, if you finger through it, it's got some work by other artists. There's some Howard Chaikin in here. We're not going to find it, but maybe we will. There's some Neil Adams in there, right? So this is a must-get. Savage Sword 1 is worth whatever you pay for it depending on the quality, of course. It's nice to have a Chaken. There's a Crankle. Look, there's a whole bunch of stuff in here. There's, uh, speaking of Adams, I don't. I think the only covers Adams did we're in gonna the pull it were, were Savage Sword. Were we're gonna not? pull it up. I have it right here. Now, can it I- It is one of the best. Can I be, oh, okay. So so this is where I'm- Are I'm you so, gonna be a problem? I'm gonna be a problem here. I'm just gonna be a little bit of a problem. And, and I mean, I might get crucified. I gotta remember that we are on like, we're on live internet, and people on the internet this might be mean to me. This isn't live. Oh, right. Sorry. We can cut we can it cut out, this if, out. You, if you become I, evil or something. I'm not going to become evil. No, I mean, this is the... See, this is the thing. Is he did the Savage Tales and then this one, the Savage Sword cover. I think I like this one better than the Savage Tales one. Um, okay. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, but I, I'm not, you know... I know he's revolutionary in Batman, and he's one of, you know, one of the greats, but, you know... There's something about his work Whoa, in, the, in these covers. Slam it? Yeah, just a little bit. I really? just find I just find it just a little like the, not this one as much as the other one. Bring up the other one over on the overhead camera. Neil Adams, Savage Tales. I know why you're saying that. Right? This looks rushed. It looks rushed. And but, there's a there's a weird but tangent dude, going on but with dude, the, just wait. You say that. Yeah. I mean he's better. That's a better cover. Are you kidding me? Yeah, way better. Here's the thing. Let's get let me push this up. Look at that. He makes, I think he does the best Conan face. Neil Adams, when I see Conan's face, I see Neil Adams and Frank Frazetta. Well, Those okay, are the two so now we're, now we're going on this path. Now you can pull out your Neil Adams piece of art, Conan. Boom. So now we can talk here about it his is. face. Here it is. There you go. When um, we interviewed Neil at uh, Canada Fan Expo, I think. Or it could have been the March yep. one, the Toronto Comic-Con. Toronto Comic-Con, actually. Was it? Yeah. And after we interviewed Neil, he said, look, I let you interview me. Now you got to buy a piece. <laughs> and then he, he threatened to do things to me. So, like, you know, he's a big, strong-looking man. He looks kind of like that. Or yeah, he probably did when he was Maybe younger. I'm exaggerating. That's a beautiful piece. Neil will tell you about his love of anatomy why he's good at anatomy oh, he will explain to you why he will fight he would have fought for zeta over anatomy right. and tell uh, he got into very very specific detail about how tall conan should be that's right and how frank 
messed that up and he would have done it better. And it that's was, why you have to get Savage Source 2. Yeah. You yeah. have to pay for that. And what does this one go for? Oh, I sorry, I'm way off that. Let me just go back real quick uh, because uh, now I was looking at Thothamon and some of these covers, which are really funny. The Thothamon um, stuff is also collectible, but let's focus on yeah, these. Yeah, especially because he looks like the toy in that one. Savage um, Sword 2, I have it here. 34, 34.75 is the raw typical sale. Um, not graded 9.8 uh, is 3.25. If so you could find a 9.8 of this... And you can get Neil to sign it at any con. Once COVID's over, you can walk up and pay Neil. He'll sign this for you. And you slab something like this at a 9.8. Yeah. This is a this is a really great great story too. Black Colossus. Black Colossus. Uh, it's a Frank. Yeah, it's our sorry. It's a it's a Howard original. That's and there's right. also a King Call story in there too. So that's a that's a and bonus. that's what I was going to say. And you know what? When we talk about King Call. By the way, look at these textures in here. Busema and Alcala. Oh, Give me Alcala. This is where we get into that. that this that, is it. That splash page. Go back to that yeah, splash that's page. That's crazy. classic. That's crazy. Right there. Like when It's hard to get that on camera. It's, you'd have to bring up a full scan of that yeah. to this really appreciate it. This is stunning. And you realize the detail work. Just bonkers. What and this, and, But this is that example I know of what you're where say. a heavy inker. Heavy black. That's there. Well, it's not just the heavy black. It's his. He gets into this incredible cross-hatching detail or well, I don't even think it's cross-hatching it's just mm -mm. his version of mm -mm. texture is is so meticulous but there again this is why you almost think well I personally coming to to the art in the books think of the the anchor first because this is what you're seeing is their rendering of the pencil let, let me jump in and say another Zek another Zek frontispiece oh, that's a beautiful one oh, he's that. so good that's great and I would have I didn't pick up on that at all that's great uh, so you have to have those two you yeah. have to have them now have people, to. you have no options. Now listen, I'm going to pull up something that's strange. What's that? Let's go back to Conan the Barbarian. All right, I'm going to recommend that people also buy 25. That's a good one too. It is good for a different reason. Now you're going to say, Rand, what about 23 and 24? Yes, 23 and 24. Rand, there are 275 of these books. You can't buy them all. Here's the. Pro I need 23 and 24 <laughs> because that's Red Sonia. That's right. And Red Sonia is. Beloved and is worth getting, but do you need 24? It's because it's the last Barry Windsor Smith. They're often sold as a set and you have to pay for these. I've been looking for these for a while. The problem is once you buy those, you have to go back to Savage Sword 1 because guess what? That's She's Red Sonia in chainmail bathing suit. Right there. So you need to get 2324 for your first Red Sonia, which is, by the way, a Roy Thomas invention extracted from some of the kind of lesser side characters of Robert E. Howard. But you have to have Savage Sword 1. She's on the cover with the chainmail, which she's known as now, and the whole cleavage and all that, obviously. And you need 23 and 24 to get your Red Sonia and your final Barry Windsor Smith. And then you would go, wait, I just paid you know, 180 or whatever it was, maybe it's 120 for 23 and 24 or more, depending on quality. Why am I buying 25? Well, guess who comes in in 25? Now you're into the Buscema. John Buscema. John and Sal. Yeah, John and, and so Sal. for a lot of people who collect Conan, this is how they see Conan. This is how they see the female characters in Conan. This is the expression on his face is very Buscema. You'll see these four or five typical Busema expressions in here. And people, well, there's kind of one on the cover. You'll see them again and again 
over the years. Buscema's covers are just they're they're just classic. Here, pull up my my page here, Nick. This is this is a you know if you look at a, like an overview of just, this is I'm on page what five, so I'm into the one hundreds, and and you just see cover after cover after cover, it, pretty much all Buscema here, and it is exactly what we imagine and remember. Like even just just a thumbnail, just seeing this in a thumbnail right here, those cheekbones. And this is a classic pose here with Conan 115. Um, you know, these are what we remember if what we, I was not born in the 70s, but those who were born in around the 70s and were buying these off the store shelves. They're classic. They're classic. Now, and it, while we're on this page, I love this one. I know this is not what we've got in the key issues, but I, I love this for um, the fact that it's a Frazetta. In, it's a, uh, what do you call this? It's, it's, it's the same it's as a, it's an, uh, yeah, an homage to a Frazetta painting, a specific one, but he gender swapped it where Conan uh, it would would be the one jumping over saving the damsel in the stress tied to the table. Conan's tied to the table. And I think this is probably Belit. Yeah, Belit jumping yeah. up so, over and saving him. So we will jump in. Isaac and I had a little discussion about this. He did say we needed to put 100 on the list. Death of Belit. And Belit's a very important character. She was incorporated in 2019. Marvel brought her back in. Well, there's a reason that the reason it's interesting, I think, beyond that is the fact that Roy took something out of the fact that Belit shows up in in uh, Beyond the Black Coast. Beyond the Black Coast? Oh, my gosh. I'm getting it right, right? Yeah, um, I believe so. Uh, in, in Howard's original stories. So there's that one big story. But when and that's like Conan's like, you know, one big love, right? Where he falls in love with his mm-hmm, woman mm-hmm. and becomes a pirate with her because she's a pirate queen. Mm-hmm. And she's like the well, she's the the head of this big ship full of uh, her, her men and they go on all these adventures, but you don't see that he, he meets her. They yes. set sail, they go off. And then there's like this sort of like a paragraph that says, and then they did a whole bunch yeah. of stuff. And then here's the last story and she dies. So Roy said, okay, meets her. Mm-hmm. Then he goes on for many issues. Yeah. I can't remember exactly how many issues she's, she becomes a main character and he goes, let's fill that all in. Let's do all these years. It's a great and then, idea. There's the ending where she dies, which she eventually dies. And then, of course, that great cover on on, uh, on 100. And you can get 100 for like three, four bucks. Yeah, exactly. And, and classic. Bring that one up. That's a classic um, Buscema with the with Belit. You know, you feel you feel Conan's pain there. That's uh, that's the one woman he loved. His there she was. Love. And there you go for literally three or four bucks. Which is incredible. You know, a 9.6 up to 50 bucks. You know. That's a great cover. That's it's a, a great, great piece. Now, listen, let's jump into something here. We've hit sort of the big collectibles, right? Yeah. And by the way, I just want to jump in. If you're going to go to Baylit, you got to look at Becky Cloonan's run. That's right. Becky Cloonan drew a very romantic Conan, and she was inspired by Baylit. Becky Cloonan, great artist, and she's a woman, and she grabbed onto Conan. And really, she told us she sexualized him and made him the young man who would love Baylit. And so that's kind of exciting. It's it's worth picking up. I'm going to talk about what happens when, and we're going to go quick now. We know we're going too long. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, uh, you're going to tell me the values of these, Isaac. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to talk about why these are good. Mm-hmm. This cover is fantastic. What this number are we at? Oh, King Conan, Conan the King. Oh, yeah. But it's before it was King Conan. Yeah. It was Conan the King. This is Mike Kaluta. And he had a run, a fantastic artist. I'll leave it kind of down like this. This is a fantastic cover and it's not expensive. You must pick this up. Three bucks. Exactly. And it's a Kaluta and it's beautiful. It's detailed. It's layered. It's gorgeously colored. I should be able to tell you who the colorist is. I don't have that with me right now. 
I love Kaluta's work. Everybody loves Kaluta's work. But this is something you can get for nothing, and it's definitely worth putting up. And let's do a flip. Where are we at now? Here? Oh, look at that. 242. And what's this name down here in the corner? Jim Lee. Oh, oh nice. Yeah, okay. Jim yeah, yeah, Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. This you can get for nothing. You yeah. could get this comic in a bin somewhere for a buck. In yeah. fact, I think you did. I think I did. Yeah. So, well, some especially when you get into the, the there you go. When you get into the later ones, they they can be hard to find in the bins. But yeah, I think I did get it for a buck. And this, this is a dollar comic. I've nine, seen it. Nine point eight is fifty seven bucks at the top but, end. But Jim Lee, right? But you, Jim Lee, it, it, yeah. you can't get any better. Jim Lee's got uh, you know nineties. He's locked down the nineties feel. Yeah. By the way, there are other people that like Jim Lee uh, at different eras and different titles and. You know, people like Jim Lee right now, he's auctioning off gorgeous pieces. This is a beautiful, beautiful Red Sonia. It just feels so Jim Lee. This is a must-get, 242. And who did 243? Oh, wait a minute. Who did 241? I screwed it up. That's, there it is. Guys, I screwed it up. I was just there. Guys. Is that Mc, isn't that McFarlane? That's McFarlane's 241. Yeah, you, can't, you, can, you can see that from a mile away. That's right. Nobody can do like ripped fabric <laughs> like McFarland does. Give us the top down again. Yeah, what a great piece. Like this, yeah, man, come on. Yeah, eight bucks, five bucks. Top. Oh, nine, you can nine, get it. You can get it in a bin. I yeah, know it. Nine point eight is seventy three bucks. That is a an amazing. It's a stunning cover. By the way, I should have had these in order. Collecting, yeah, two, collecting by two artists. geniuses of the nineties end of today. Yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, it's great. Now we're gonna jump. We're going to jump to something crazy. We're in the dark horse. Why did I pull this up? That's a good um, question. You don't know why I pulled this up? Uh, well, no, I'm, Look up I Conan the Slayer. Trying to get there. Conan the Slayer. The well, Slayer. I'll make it easy for you because I'm just going to say this. Oh, you look at you, you sneaky No, bummer. I'm just going to say, I just want to pull this out. There's Barry again. I just want to say, just give us a, a wide there. And then I'm going to pull out something strange. What number was that one then? This is Conan the Slayer 1. Okay. And it's the San Diego Comic-Con 2016 special. Oh, I see. Because I'm looking at a different cover. Yeah. Go go to the, the other. You'll see it there. Uh, Maybe you won't see it there. Known variant covers. It's not there. See, this is a special one. Oh, there's a Mark Schultz variant cover. But it's oh, not this don't one. Don't even start with me. All I'm going to say, we don't have to go into detail oh, on this. Why don't we have this? What's that? Why don't we have because this? Because it was limited... It was a limited. We yeah. can talk about Mark Schultz. Yeah, cover B, Schultz. I can't believe that we don't have that. Here's a Mark and Schultz. And you can get it for four bucks. Are you kidding? Mark Schultz yeah. is like one of the best illustrators all, working. All I want to say is, as we pull out just a random few, and yeah. I had a couple more, but I've kind of I've kind of set, because we've got a giant pile now. Yeah. Um, once you get into Conan's, you start looking around at different artists. Like, here's a later Barry Smith. This is, uh, these are less than dollar comics. Conan versus Rune and Conan the Adventurer. You yep. can get these for, people will pay you to take these. <laughs> they're worth literally nothing. I think they're in every dollar bin all the time, everywhere. And you can snap them up. So they're a must get. Uh, this was Conan the Slayer. This is a hard get. But what I wanted to say is lots of people touch Conan a little differently. So this one feels like a Tim Truman. It's not Tim Truman. He always breaks. He told us he always breaks Conan's nose. Yeah. And you start to get a feel for the way different people do Conan's. Uh, 
I want to show you Creatures on the Loose. This is the, the coming of King Cull. This is not Conan, but what it is, is Bernie Wrightson doing Cull. Which is a predecessor, which is which a is, Howard character. Which is a Howard character that is Conan-esque. And it's a predecessor to Conan. Yeah. But here you have Bernie Wrightson, and when you look at it, it just looks like Conan. Mm -hmm. And it's that Bernie Wrightson horror vibe, and Cull is more of a horror vibe. All I want to say is once you get into the Conans, you start thinking about how do different people do Conan. And that's why we have to pull out the fire book. Where's the fire book, Mark? <laughs> Here we go. I got it. Yeah. It's, Here's the fire book. It's only 52 pounds. So we had a fire here at the station in 2016. And we want to wind this up. We want to talk about, diff yeah, he is the nice one, my nice one. We want to talk about the way different people address Conan over the years. Once you get into this title and you're looking for different things to collect, I know we were super Marvel heavy. This book that Isaac's got up there has one of the finest Conan approaches, and it's Carrie Nord. Carrie Nord is one of the best, yeah. But Carrie this, but Nord. The, you, can't get, you can't get over the, the, the Mark Schultz wraparound cover, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can show that. Yeah. I want to just show that. Oh, Carrie Nord's. The Carrie Nord the stuff. Hook. Come in here. Yeah. So Carrie's Conan is painted and it's not heavy. It's not. Well, actually, there's a reason. Tell the re there it is. Technical That's the yeah. There's a technical reason why. And I've, I've never, I, I'm sure it's been done, but I hadn't experienced that in comics sure. myself. But the fact is that in that book, they're coloring his pencils, it's not inked. Yeah. He is literally, they are printing his pencil, so it's really light. It's and light then coloring painted. in. It's like painting. Oh, it's amazing. This, it's, he's it's got fantastic. a young, he's got a. That's not him, though. He's got a young, that one wasn't him? No, that drawing, no, that cover. Are you sure? Him. No. Who did that cover? I don't know, but it's not him. That's that actually him. looks like a Clunan. It almost looks like Clunan, yeah. It might um, be. Look, look at these. that. Oh, what a, his, he, he was, he was, again, he was feeling that Frazetta influence he said that he said he brought it's back totally a lot for of, Zeta. yeah but i mean you have to i mean basically well you don't have to but it's 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 where to go with it because for Zeta really set the benchmark with a visual conan that everybody loves so we talked about getting marvel comics conans over the years we talked about jumping in some of the titles we got are out of reach those dark horse comics written by kurt Busick, and kurt Busick, he's a howard fan uh, when we talked to him, it was clear he was paying homage. Where does that start? Where, where does that whole run start? What story is it? Uh, it's Frost, Frost Giant Star. Star. Yeah, it's right. Yeah. That's classic Howard. Yeah. And Carrie's touch on it is just beautiful. As I say, looks like it's painted. Looks like it's infused with Frazetta. Let's pull those Frazettas out again. And I think it's I think it's actually uh, important to note that that because we're in that time now of Marvel's very successful and very good um, rebirth of, of the Conan book um, that the Dark Horse run, it's sort of like, you know, it's that, that classic scenario where you, the, the, the first run and the latest run are going to be on people's minds. People might not be thinking about Dark Horse for That's right. a while. And I think that it's, we have to remember there's some really amazing artists and, and writing that went into the, the like, Dark Horse run. Come on, right? 
Yeah, reprints of the Conan, uh, the, the the paperback covers. Uh, there's Conan the Conqueror on the horse, the Frost Giant's daughters. These yeah. are unparalleled. Yeah. These are really, really good deals. You can get these for next to nothing. Like, basically yeah. cover price, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, or if, if you can get Frazetta on anything. <laughs> so let's just talk about just a couple more things. I just want to hit, last time we talked about turtles, did we not? Mm-hmm. Well... Ah, uh, there we go. We talked about the way different artists do do Conan. Do Conan. So if you're going to collect, well, many of these things, were, and we did said the same similar thing with the turtles, is you can collect by artists, which is That's really right. cool. And and to to have Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, do a Conan cover. That's exciting. That's very exciting. It's like a jam. Yeah, it is. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, is that not his first ever Marvel cover? Am I wrong did on that? Did he say he might have said He that. might have said something to that effect. And um, he did a Wolverine as well, which I did not get, but yeah. I need. Yeah. This comic, yeah. I don't think it's more than 30 bucks. Uh, yeah, exactly. Roughly. I think now to get the black and white one. Oh, come on. Yeah, this would be better. But I also want to say for cover price, oh, the I, Savage I, Sword run. I closed my computer, sorry. It's fine. Yeah. I just want to jump to the new Conans real quick. Alex Ross, you can get a bunch of Alex Ross covers, beautiful Conan covers, and it's cover price or less. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, the, that's a great one right the there. The latest Conans, the the stuff that started at one, like you're seeing yeah. artists approach this in a way that pays homage to the old stuff that we just talked about, and you can get it for nothing. I just wanted to show you this. Alex Ross, of course, yeah. and Kevin Eastman. Yeah. We're not really talking about the new stuff right now. They're cheap. They must be bought. Mm-hmm. The Dark Horse you can get for almost nothing. You're going to have a hard time with Conan 1, the year 1970. You're going to pay the hundreds for it, but it's worth it. It's all going up. 1970 was a long time ago, Rand. I remember it well. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good year, but it's getting to the point when, you know, 1970 was a while ago, so getting those books in good condition. I'm telling you, I'm looking at what's around us right now. It mm-hmm. takes me back. It makes me feel like I'm five again. Maybe? No. I wasn't born yet. You jumped into Conan um, in a post-movie era. Yep. I jumped into Conan in the Marvel era. Yeah. And so for a lot of us, you know, Marvel Comics is Conan. To see Marvel come back to Conan or Conan come back to Marvel more correctly, it was thrilling. And so I got into that series and I yeah. enjoyed it and I really love the art. Uh, Isad Ribic is, I assume I'm saying that correctly, Isad Ribic is beautiful work. He, here's here's my, my takeaway from when we started with the documentary on Conan mm-hmm. um, and when we... Uh, like you just said, I came into it a post movie and I had seen the movie at some point and, and people will have their, whatever they kind of came to Conan with, whether they came to Conan in the seventies with um, the, the, the Marvel books, or if you came to Conan with mm-hmm. the movie or the current, the current books is going to bring mm-hmm. a lot of, lo- a lot of new people to the, to the franchise. Mm-hmm. I think the really cool thing about it is that no matter how you get in, you have, mm-hmm. if you haven't, if you didn't, if you didn't come at it from Howard first, you get into it, you know about the character, maybe you just know it through the zeitgeist. The beautiful thing is that you now have the opportunity to read Howard's original unaltered stuff for the first yeah. time, which for me was like one of those one of those rare things where there's only so many books or book franchises 
you know, literary franchises throughout literary history that you go, man, the first time I read Harry Potter, the first time I read Lord of the Rings, it was so powerful, it was so important. The first time I read Howard's original Conan, wow, what an amazing series of books. And, and man, it was like you can only get that first time once, right? Are so. you telling me that we are going to be doing key issue for books soon? Soon. Oh, man. <laughs> so I think what we're saying basically is go on to your cover price. Just put in Conan. Don't put in Conan the Barbarian. Just put in Conan. Conan. Scroll down. Conan. Uh, just can you show Nick? Go to go to my, go to my, uh, there's the dark horse stuff. That is a Clunan, I think. That. I think you're right. It looks like a clue. There's a cheap Conan series from 95, 96. Look at these. Oh, I have those ace books. What, I should have brought like those. 42 different regular series, by the way. Look at them all. Yeah. There's tons of amazing stuff. We didn't even talk about we did whoop, we didn't even talk about the those great big oversized, you know, the giant size. Yeah, the giant massive those ones. Those are pretty exciting yeah, too. Just go to cover price, flip down through it, find some that Hit the artists that we talked about and maybe some artists you like that we don't know about. Let us know. Let us know what we should be picking up. Yeah. We, You know we're looking for 14, 23, 24. And the final one, I believe, is 275. The, the last goodbye. one. Yeah, yeah, the goodbye. And once we have all those down, then there will be more we have to buy. You can get the King Conans for cheap. Yeah. It's just... It's just a good franchise, Conan, and it's almost like we think something's going to happen soon. We just don't know what and we don't know where, but I can tell you right now, if I could make a hint or if I could throw a dart near a dartboard, I would say Conan is coming back. If it came back to Marvel, that means something's happening, and I can't imagine that you want to miss that. Yeah, man. Okay, we did it. Here we are. I am Randall Lobb. I am Isaac Elliott Fisher. This was Key Issue, cover price Key Issue, definitive podcast, and it was episode two. Next time when we come back, we're going to do another Marvel series. I don't know, have you ever heard of the X-Men? Hmm. They're kind of a big deal. Well, let's find out next time. Next time.